views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. Today's date is April the 17th, 2019. It's just a little bit after 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. So glad that you could join us and hope that you will continue to join us each and every week that we are on air. All right, so it's open forum tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. Um, We'll just be kicking around a few news stories and topics related to prison slavery and the like. If you have something to add, by all means, you can give us a call and let us hear from you. Uh, This will definitely be the program to ask us any questions uh, that you may have about what we discuss on this program. Uh, You may be going through something and you want to ask us our opinion. So tonight is the night to do that as we are in open forum. The telephone number is 704-802-5056-704-802-5056. 5056. Once you get in, just hit the star key twice and that will open up your mic. Uh, Just to give you a quick preview before I open up the mics, um, some of the news stories that we'll be talking about. Here's some good news. We'll take a look at a bill that will make prison phone calls free. Um, And this bill is making its way through the Connecticut legislature. This is the state of Connecticut. And so there is a bill that is advancing through their house that is going to um, allow prison phone calls to be free uh, and not charging the prisoners or their families. Also, this is a, a story that Maxwell has sent to me, the New Jersey Institute for Social Justice. Um, They posted a video to Facebook called Ryan Haygood on closing youth prisons in New Jersey. So we definitely want to take a listen to that. Um, Max is definitely in tune with what's going down in New Jersey. And um, so I'm sure he'll have something to say say about that story. Uh, Also, police unions. Police unions are saying that they're not going to take any more anti cop hatred. This is a video that comes from American Voices. We'll take a listen to that. Analyze what what these uh, police unions, aka slave catchers, have to say. Um, And then, you know, there's a couple of uh, updates. You know, Palestinians prisoners, you know, Palestinian Palestinian prisoners stood in solidarity with U.S. prisoners during the 2018 prison strike when prisoners in the United States went on strike uh, across the nation in different states and different prisons uh, demanding that their human rights be respected and they had a list of demands. Well, Palestinian prisoners uh, sent a message of solidarity to the American prisoners and so they've been going through their own thing and I'll give you an update as you did have some Palestinian prisoners on a hunger strike. And then last but not least, and unless there's something else that comes up, uh, finally, the Philly DA, that's the district attorney, the Philly DA, that's Larry Krasner, uh, who was a newly elected DA, um, he is going to drop the challenge in Mumia's Abu Jamal's case, which is going to clear an appeal to get Mumia a new trial um, 
which is before the high court. So the uh, Philly DA was challenging uh, his appeal, and now he's going to drop that appeal. So we'll look at some of the details of that. But let me go to the phone, uh, go to our board, our phone lines, and uh, open up the mic um, and see. I know Maxwell has some stuff that was going on this weekend. I see we got Mother Khadijah and Tyson, and we'll see if they have had anything that they like to share that they um, had going on over, since we were last on air or anything coming up this week. But uh, Maxwell, are are you there, bro? Good evening to you. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here, my brother. This is Maxwell. I'm on air. Hey, good evening to you, Maxwell. Uh, do you got any you events doing, coming up or anything you like to share uh, before we get into the news stories? The only thing I would like to share, I will be doing a, 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 a conference on May the 30th at the Queens Library in New York on mass incarceration, along with myself in the Die Jim Crow Project, along with B.L. Sherrell. I will, that's the event that I come in. That's upcoming on May the 30th in Queens, New York on Merck Boulevard on May the 30th. That's my next event that I will be attending to address issues concerning mass incarceration and prison slavery. And you say the date was when? May the 30th? May May 30th, yes. Okay. That's the next event that I will be attending. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. so I'm, I'm sure I'll get a hold of that information and we'll get something posted on Black Talk Radio absolutely. Network uh, for you there so people can uh, be reminded of that. Let's go to Sh- let's go to Charlotte, North Carolina uh, with my fellow Carolinians. We have uh, Mother Khadijah and Brother Tyson on the line. Good evening to you. Good evening, all Brother Scotty and all Brother Maxwell, man. Yeah, good evening, um, my brother. You know, good evening. Um, you know, we deal with a tragedy. Um, my nephew, my nephew just got shot and killed two days ago. My other nephew got shot in the hand. So, wow, we yeah, that, my brother. Now, actually, actually have a, um, you know, like a memorial um, cookout going on. But I'm here on the show, I'm present. So my wife, she's here. You know. Yes, you know, it's a tragedy, man. You know, since his violence, man, my nephew was about to turn, in a couple of days, he was about to turn 20, 20 years old, so. Man, my, my well, condolences. Yeah. yeah. On the back, everyone's in the radio, and we'd like to send out our condolences to you and your family, my brother. And appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So. You know, um. Go ahead, brother. Let us speak. No, go ahead. So you familiar with the area, Scotty? So you know this 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 thing was probably on the news. You probably seen on the news happening over there on Sugar Creek. Oh, that's where my dad lives. My dad lives yeah. in, in the Hidden Valley well, community, so I did see yes, something right, on right there. Right over there, right over there, Scotty. And um, it happened like one o'clock at night, a couple of um, days ago. My little nephew, you know, got killed. And, you know, some senseless violence, man. And, you know, so, so we deal with that. Mm. You know, actually have, you know, you know, we have, like, we having a little more of you and family here today, but I just wanted to, you know, get on the show and, you know, just, just be able to literate on that and, and let you guys know what's going on because I haven't had time to talk to you because, you know, the planning and, and, and doing all this stuff, man, it's just, you know, like we always talk about, man, these kids, Killing kids and you know it's just it's terrible, man. It is. It is. Yes, black on black crime, any crime on any crime is very terrible. And it's very tragic, you know, and I'm very sorry when it hits close to home. Also, and Charlotte, well, Sh- Charlotte didn't always be that way, y'all. You know, I, I I know, you know, I don't know how long y'all been in the Charlotte area. Charlotte wasn't always that way, man. But already they've had thirty eight murders so far this year, and you wow. know, it's just a symptom of something terrible that's going on. Um, you know, among our people, man, it's just senseless. And you know, although we don't really focus on stuff like that on on this program, you know, it's still we want to touch on these things when it touch one of our family members. And so, y'all, you know, part of the Black Talk Radio Network family, 
And it, it's just tragic. We got to do something about it. And I'm so sick of hearing the soundtrack to murder uh, coming over the terrestrial airwaves. You know what I'm saying? Sister Khadijah, did you have something you wanted to add? how important it is for the Saving Children, Saving Lives movement. And this is what the movement's about, is to help average children that's facing, you know, parents incarcerated, the, the, the violence against violence, the teen bullying, um, domestic violence, just neglected children. It's just so much that, that the youth have to face. Mm. Just to, you know, especially when you're struggling, just to maintain and feed your, uh, feed your children. And this young nephew, our nephew, was a father. And he was a really good father. Like, you know how some young men just aren't attentive? He was a really attentive young man. It just, you know, it saddens me because here he left a, a young boy that won't ever see his father again. So this is why it's important for people to really support the Saving Children, Saving Lives movement because who's there to take care of these young kids? Children. So and we Sister, have to, you, want to, you want to explain to them what the Saving Children uh, movement is about also? You want to explain that to them more in detail? Well, you want to, up? Yeah, we can, actually, if you want to go more in detail with it, because, you know... I um, would Max like Mello, to. Yeah, he's our spokesperson for Saving Children Life Movement, and if you want to go in more depth, you're more than welcome to. I just wanted to plug that, because it's fitting to the current situations, and it's an ongoing thing. That's why it's a movement. We're not trying to do concerts. We're actually trying to provide resources to the community and make sure everybody knows what our purpose is in life, and that's to help each other because it does take a village. So, Maxwell, you can comment more on it if you'd like. Well, I'd just like to say it's a movement that, you know, uh, as we know, all the violence that's going on in our communities right now, and we're trying to get some sponsors and different things so we can go into the various communities to address these issues that are affecting all our children out there right now. Because someone has to do it. You know, someone has to do it. And, you know, just having a background and trying to do that. And, and you know, like most of their fathers are in prison and different things. We're trying to just save our children, you know. We're trying to save them. So we're trying to raise funding and all that. How 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 can someone? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Maxwell. No, I said we're just trying to go into these communities to reach out to the community for everyone to get involved in this movement in saving our children. We're trying to go out through the uh, through the country, but we're focusing in New York area a lot too, in the Queens area, in different areas. We're just trying to get some sponsors. It's a message, and it's something very important that needs to get out into the community of the saving our children campaign which we are doing with uh, Prison Street Talk Ministries in collaboration with myself and uh, uh, Mother Khadijah and Brother Faison. is something that we're trying to do right now with uh, Brother Ferry Anderson, uh, Brother Keith Murray, and uh, Brother Kay Solo, and a couple of the artists that are in the area. This is what we're trying to do right now because, you know, things have just gotten so out of hand. When you think things are in hand, it's gotten more out of hand right now. Day by day, you got something tragic that is happening to our people. And, yeah. you know, there's just some people we have to step up to the forefront to address these issues that are affecting our communities and killing our kids. How, how can um, someone who's listening now or may check out the podcast later, if they want to assist you, you know, what, what ways can they assist? You know, can they send mon- uh, where, where can they send monetary donations? Well, can they volunteer? Mother, Mother Khadija, Mother Khadija can answer that and address that. Uh, Mother Khadija. Mother Khadija. Well, actually, like, like I told you guys, she, uh, you know, she, she's doing a little bit running around, but yeah. we have the majority going on. So I'm, I'm here yeah. with you fellas, but right, well, they, can, um, they can go on the website at Jazz Underground, and you know they can comment or whatever. But once they or go any on the contribution website, or anything, they can get additional information from the website itself, Jazz Underground. And, and J- is that Jazz Underground dot org or dot com or what? Jazz Underground at um, gmail dot com, which is, or they can go at Jazz Underground International dot org. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, either one, it'll pull up, but um, it's J A Z Z U N D A ground. Okay. So it's not under, it's under U N D A ground. 
gmail.com or on jazzunderground.international.org. Again, you know, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I thought you were done. Um, But I do want to encourage listeners to visit the website and give what they can um, to help out with, because this is important. And this is a good segue into our first story. Um, Our next first two stories will deal with, with young people, but you know, I think it was Khadija who mentioned, you know, a lot of these uh, a parent may be in prison or something like that. And, you know, these children still need to hear from their parents. They still need to hear from that mother that may be locked up, hear from their father that may be locked up. Um, you know, there's no reason that they should be prohibited from contact. And it's good for the prisoner morale and what have you in, in, you know, his mental health or her mental health and, and being able to communicate with their family members. So this is happening in Connecticut. It may be going well, on. That, I'm sorry, what's that? No, I, I, I thought you were saying, I've had Senate studies, and I'll, I'll break more down to you. It was, you know, how I actually came up with this idea because it's based on what you're saying. Okay, so this bill, let, let's get through this first one. This is in Connecticut, and so it says, chiding the high cost of Connecticut's prison phone network, lawmakers on Tuesday backed a measure that would allow inmates to make or receive free calls. Members of the legislature's Judiciary Committee denounced the state's method of profiting off of prison phone calls. Officials have said Connecticut hauled in $7.7 million from calls last fiscal year. That cost is borne by the inmates' family members, several of whom packed a public hearing last month to plead for the bill's passage. The legislation approved on Tuesday says the corrections commissioner shall provide telephone service for free and may provide uh, supplementary telecommunication services including video and electronic mail. And I'll just stop there. I have linked to all of these stories uh, from the uh, main promo page for tonight's broadcast if you want to read the stories in their entirety. Um, and I'm off to asking, hey, Skype is free. That's video calling or audio calling. That's free. Why do we have to pay? Then email. That's free. Why do we have to pay? I, brother Scott, yeah. I'd like to make a comment. What, what the prison on that bill, there's a threat that should the government or the Department of Corrections do such a thing that the phone companies, are threatening to come in, remove all their equipment out immediately, which would prolong anybody making any calls at all. That's the threat. So they're trying to weigh out, you know, different things in that bill because they can also, the phone companies can say, look, we're going to come in and snatch all our equipment out, and y'all will have to wait months and months so you can get somebody else in there. Well, you know what? They can come and get yeah. it, is what I say. Exactly, exactly. And every revolution, there's sacrifice. Exactly. Um, Tyson, you were saying. Now, what I was saying is, right, in 2008, when I was facing it, when I was incarcerated, you know, in Massachusetts, and, you know, not being able to see or be able to call my daughter, when I wanted to call her, due to the lack of being able to have funds to get on the phone and stuff like that, you might get a phone call from a social worker depending on if they're a nice social worker. You might be able to get, get them to give you a phone call. So what I what I came up with when, when, when I thought about all the things that brothers and sisters were going through about not being able to be in contact with the they, they love ones as well as their children, which was the most important is was the children. So, you know, I alliterated when I came home, and, I, I, you know, I told my wife about the project of Saving Children Saving Lives, and I told her what it meant to me and what it stood for, which is was basically being able to have parents who are incarcerated be able to be in contact with their family members, being able to be provided. So right now we are trying to work on something to where, you know, it's like like everything is is a work in progress, and you got to take the first step to be able to make it better. Which was trying to implement at least being able as a father to be able to call your children 
free call, some type of way we can come up with a solution to be able to provide a free phone call for 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 uh, you know people who are trying to reach out to their kids. You know, it's just that's that's something that's that's real big, man. It's the phone system, man. They they make a lot of money, man. I know a phone bill costs me almost, you know, depends on how much you call the home. And you know, I call my wife every day, so my wife probably is spent over, uh, probably two hundred and something dollars in a month. Right. Just on on phone. Right. You no, know, that's not counting conversary. So you know, it, it, it's the, the phone is is very expensive, man. Then when you you know when you're not in state. You know, like Jersey has one of the best phone systems. It's like probably right now, probably like a um, what twenty cents for the first additional minute, and about a couple of cents each minute. So it's more along. It's more along with regular prices that we see out here. No, Jersey is is different. They they came down. It used to be five dollars just to, for me to call from Trenton State mm-hmm. to, to North Carolina. It used to be five dollars a call, so yeah. Now, you know, five dollars to get me a couple of calls in New Jersey now, but they they came down. But you know, in federal system, you know, it's about probably almost for a fifteen minute phone call, it's probably about at least almost what four dollars. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, while I was uh, reading this story and I was doing some other research, uh, did a couple of Google searches in. Uh, you mentioned the federal level. In 2016 was the last time the FCC, that's the uh, Federal Communications Commission, addressed that. And they drastically did cut some of the prices. But again, there is no reason that anybody should have to pay anything. You know what I'm saying? They they just they just mm. shouldn't. How much is it costing right, me? How much did it cost? How much did it cost for us tonight to be on the phone together in different parts of the of the other country? It ain't cost it's you not nothing. Exactly. So why should it cost if I want to call somebody, you know, um, if I'm in prison and I want to call home, especially if that's important to my quote-unquote rehabilitation. But, so, but, but yeah. right, Scotty, you, you know what? You hit it right on the head, Scotty, because if, if I go to jail and I get Social Security, they cut my Social Security and take it away because the government's supposed to be taking care of me. So why is the government not providing me with um, being in contact with my family. See, when I went to this program, they they, they said a part of the program, which, which was a valuable lesson in being integrated into society, was a part of being in contact with your family, right? Right. You don't provide me, you don't provide me with stamps. You know what I'm saying? You don't provide me with, with phone calls. So if the government is not providing me with the things that I'm supposed to need in necessity, you're actually only taking care of me halfway. Right, right. Understood. You know, um, one last thing, and we got to move on. Y'all guys know how fast the hour uh, hour goes. But let me say this, though. When I was stationed in Saudi Arabia during the Gulf War, um, we could send letters home without stamps. So, again, the U.S. Postal Service could easily provide a postage-free mail service from all these prisons. Again, if the mental health and the reintegration and rehabilitation of prisoners is important to you, you know, because if you want to throw up all these roadblocks to that, then that just exposes that you're not about um, rehabilitating anybody. It's about the dollars. It's about making profit. So let me move on to... That's very contradictory. Yeah, let me move on to the next story. Now, Maxwell, you sent me this video. Um, It was posted on Facebook by the New Jersey Institute for Social Justice. The man we're going to hear speaking here, his name is Ryan Haygood, and he's speaking on closing youth prisons in New Jersey, which, you know, Tyson was just talking about New Jersey. So let's, let's, let's give this a listen, if we will. Exactly. Yeah. Let me turn this, get this volume up. We We are a legal advocacy organization, and our mission really is to identify structural walls of inequality that if we topple them, open up opportunities for people of color in our urban centers here in New Jersey. I'm standing on the historic Pabst Brewery site, 
uh, just two blocks in front of me is Westside High School and Kip Rise Academy. Just in front of me is a cemetery. Uh, behind me is Speedway Academy Elementary School. And it is on this site that New Jersey is seeking to build a literal school-to-youth prison pipeline. This is part of New Jersey's broader effort to construct three new youth prisons, one in southern New Jersey, one in central New Jersey, and one here in northern New Jersey, on this site in the heart of Newark's West Ward. And New Jersey is investing $160 million to construct three new youth prisons. But the truth of the matter is that we don't need a youth prison here in Newark or anywhere in New Jersey. Two years ago, following a historic announcement that was occasioned by a campaign we led called 150 Years is Enough, then Governor Chris Christie announced the closure of two of New Jersey's three youth prisons, Jamesburg Youth Prison for Boys and Hayes Youth Prison for Girls. Our campaign is called 150 Years is Enough because Jamesburg Youth Prison opened 150 years ago. And the truth is that in the last 150 years, we've learned that youth incarceration is a failed experiment. Here in New Jersey, a black child is 30 times more likely to be in prison than a white child. Even though, as my colleague Andrea McChristian, who leads this work for us, would tell you, black and white kids commit most offenses at about the same rate. In fact, here in New Jersey, a state of more than 9 million people, there are only 18 white kids in prison. 18. And that's because when it comes to incarcerating white children, we only do so as a last, last, last resort. But a black child in New Jersey is 30 times more likely to be in prison than a white child, not because black children create crime at those disproportionate rates, but because a system treats black and Latino children very differently than it treats white children. And we also spend an extraordinary amount of money investing in this broken system. Under the current administration's budget, this year, New Jersey will spend $290,000 to incarcerate each kid in prison each year. Can you imagine what you could do in the life of a child, in the life of a community, were you to invest $290,000 in the life of a kid. And so this really is a push for you to lift your collective voices to defeat these plans. We don't need a prison here in Newark. We don't need a youth prison anywhere in New Jersey. We have plenty of places for kids who are incarcerated to go right now. New Jersey has 11 residential facilities across the state. There's one here in Newark. They're less than half full each. You could take every child incarcerated right now and move them to a residential facility today. You could then take the $160 million that New Jersey is planning to spend constructing new youth prisons, and you could invest that money in communities most impacted by mass incarceration, particularly incarceration of our youth. If you asked any resident around us, knocked on a door, caught them walking down South Orange Avenue, what this community needs most, what kind of investment this community deserves. I promise you not one of them would say, I got an idea. Why don't you identify a historic site called the Pabst Brewery site and put there a youth prison? Nobody would say that. Neither should New Jersey. And so we urge you, one, to read the letter we sent to Governor Murphy this week urging him to make specific investments in our kids, not in incarcerating them. Read that letter. Two, join our 150 Years is Enough campaign to lift your voices to join our advocacy for our kids. And finally, reach out to Governor Murphy and encourage him to destroy plans to build, yes, a youth prison here, but also to build a youth prison anywhere in New Jersey because we don't need it. What we actually need is a specific investment in our kids, particularly our black and brown kids. Maxwell. Maxwell, you there? 
Let me check the board. Yes, right. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. The governor has committed to that, Governor Chris Christie. Now, as they declared in the state of New Jersey, this opiate crisis that they had, and opiates mostly affect the Caucasian and white community, they had committed to investing $100 million in that. And so what they're saying also, well, disproportionately, since you're going to invest $100 million in that in opiates, they're mostly affected by the Caucasian population. And the people that are mostly incarcerated are the black kids. And you're going to invest $160 million to incarcerate them. Right. Then why can't you invest that same money, the $160 million, into our kids instead of spending 290000 as he stipulated, as it costs a year? That's more than New York. That's more than what it costs to incarcerate Khalif Browder and Rikers Island per year. That's a lot of money. But but he's saying, though, to the black and brown, Mm -hmm. you're willing to invest $100 million, and most of the people that are affected by opiate use and everything are mostly white kids and Caucasians, not that black kids don't. You committed to investing $100 million in that. Mm-hmm. But the people that you want to incarcerate, you're willing to invest $160 million in building three new youth centers in New Jersey. Prisons. And why can't you re- yes, prisons, why can't you redirect that money into helping them and mm-hmm. diverting that from that is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And that is the whole issue right here. Well, like they were saying, like um, the um, gentleman was saying, we got these residential facilities, which is a better environment for them. And we got several of those that ain't even half full. And you can take all the juveniles and put them in that. So what's the, what's really going on? Tyson, exactly. Khadijah, what's going on here? Exactly. That's what he's saying. What's going on here? That's exactly what they're saying. What's going on here? What are you doing? But I do know, I agree, we all need to find a way to make sure that they don't keep continuing to build prisons because that's not the answer and solution to any of the problems. So we just have to make sure that we stay in touch with Congress and make sure that we can get some of these laws changed. And that's what it's about, just staying abreast to the current changes and, and try to find a way to fight these injustices. Well, the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, had... And his promise and his campaign had originally committed to doing that. And he has not kept his promise. And that's one of their other major issues that they have. He has not kept his promise. You know, when they're running for election. Yeah, all that, they yeah, all got promises. you. Yeah. He has not kept his promise. He's doing the opposite of what he promised. So they're trying to hold him accountable as uh, uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson said. If y'all want certain changes in different things, make me do it. Make me do it. Hold me accountable. Make me. But mm. that means that the people have to make them accountable and make them do it by their own words because they're not holding their word in what they said they was going to do also. Right. Right. You know? And and, and that's deep, man. Because look, look, look. A hundred and something million towards the opiate addiction, which is mostly affected by whites. You want to give them treatment, but to the incarceration rate of 160 million, which is mostly affected by the uh, brown and black, you're willing to invest 160 million dollars, as most of our young kids are dealing with problems of mental issues and mental illnesses and all those things, and you want to invest 160 million dollars in that. Now, could you imagine what you can do with each child for 290 thousand dollars a year? What could you do with that for one kid, two hundred, a couple of kids, as a matter of fact, for two hundred ninety thousand a year? You can provide them with the type of services that they need to address whatever their individual issues are. It could go a long way in providing that's a ed- lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of money, brother. Guy, two hundred ninety education per opportunities and what have you. Yeah, that's over a quarter of a million dollars per child. That's not that's not per a smart. Child. Yeah, that's not a smart investment. You know, and yeah, and then when they're after that, they're coming out, then you have to take the same thing to reinvest into that reintegration back in society or whatever. 
it's just so much bull, bottom line. It's so much bull. Right. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with the system. Well, we hope that if we got any new abolitionists that's living in New Jersey, that you'll do exactly uh, with what the brother was asking us to do and joining that campaign, 150 years is enough. And again, I posted the video and you'll find links to the letter uh, that they sent um, by going to uh, btrcommunity.com. I've linked to our thread in in the abolitionist community uh, so people can check that out. Um, We're going to take a quick station identification break and then when we come back, we're going to take a listen to these slave catchers, I mean uh, police, and talking about they're not going to be threatened anymore. You, you said it right. No, you said it right. <laughs> I know, right? So you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. This program airs every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. I'm not a Wu-Tango, and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. So this police union, this, this um, um, I guess it's a page on Facebook called American Voices. So they published this video, and it's titled Police Union Says, They're not going to take any more anti-cop hatred. So let, let's, let's hear what they got to say. And then we'll come yeah, back and, and we'll respond to it. So let me cue this up. Get this going here. Come on now. It's acting like it's, it doesn't want to play, but I'm like, man, these people, why don't y'all stop whining? You know what I'm saying? Because that's what they doing. They, yeah. they whining like exactly. little crybabies or something. And exactly, as you were saying, the statement that you saying, uh, there was just something that came out recently also in reference to when in the media, a lot of these correctional officers that are working in these correction facilities are coming out. They take an oath when they're in there, uh-huh. they by certain things. But when they come out on the media, they try to dehumanize families prisoners and all that. Right. So if you're going to dehumanize them in the face of the public, how are you going to go back in there and do your job on by when you're in the media and dehumanizing them of what they are and who they are? All right, I got it. You know, I got it pulled up, and I know what you're talking about, uh, Maxwell, because I saw the same yeah, thing exactly. uh, where they were posting exactly. selfies and to social media, their social media accounts, and yeah. then you know using, like you said, dehumanizing yeah. language and talking stuff like "I'll shoot your baby daddy." Yeah, if you're gonna use that, how you gonna go back in there and being unbiased? You can't be unbiased if you're using that type of language in the media in front of those people and then behind closed doors. Look at what you're doing. Wonder what you're doing. All right, here we go. Enough is enough. We are sick and tired of having targets on our back. And if you're the ones that are out there spreading the rhetoric that police officers are the enemy, well, just know we've all got your number now. We're going to be keeping track of all of y'all, and we're going to make sure that we hold you accountable every time you stir the pot on our police officers. That's what they are. They're an occupation army. And they have declared a war against black America. Five killed Thursday night by by what is believed to be two snipers who opened fire during a demonstration in downtown Dallas. Officer Mia Sotis Familia, so determined to wear the blue, she left her job as a nurse in her mid-30s. Her gunman shot her in the head at point-blank range through a passenger side window. What's your name, sir? She told you. Did I ask you if she told me? I asked you what your name is. Answer the question. You pigs. Okay. Do you need police assistance, sir? Uh, could you get the away from me, please? I dare you to touch me. I dare you to I dare you to touch me. Touch me. They think this is funny. They're going to see funny. Because I'm real fing funny. Don't give me your bullshit. I punch you. I'm working on it. Shut the up. I'll tell you what. Won't you have that thing to the station? I'll do it with this whole crowd. I need your card. 
officer! Police brutality! Police brutality! Police brutality! Burning the cop flag! <laughs> yeah. This is the thin blue line flag. I cannot believe it. Got okay, so I'm going to stop it there because it goes on for another Let minute and 16. Before for you go on, I want to say one thing. Yeah, what's that? Now, uh, them upholding the law and taking up hold the law and abide by the law, the first violation that they're doing right now is to silence people that everybody on the First Amendment has entitlement to avoid and free speech. And we feel that we are being treated unjust or whatever. They say they're going to start holding all these people accountable for these hate and all these hate against police officers. These people are voicing their opinion of what they feel and how they're being treated. So why are you going to try to hold people accountable for voicing their opinion and their entitlement to what they're entitled to under the First Amendment? You know exactly how you gonna hold somebody accountable. That sounds like a threat to me, though. Oh, we know who you are. We watching you. We're taking names. I mean, that he sound like a straight up fascist. You know what I'm saying? We got a list. Yeah, exactly, we keeping names, exactly. and we'll come exactly. after you because we don't like your speech about us. You're entitled to your free speech. That is your. You're entitled to speak what you want. In America, under the United States Constitution, free speech. And so, you know, I wanted to mention also. I didn't mean to cut you off. That, that there's no, it's all right. It's all right. Specific, specific laws that are intended to protect us from police brutality, and we know the Fourth Amendment, which prohibits, you know, unreasonable searches and seizures under that Fourteenth Amendment, and yeah. that's being violated. On top of other civil yeah. rights are being violated. But yeah, just to address exactly. the one amendment that the police brutality violate is that one. And according to the statistics, yeah. um, in 2018, there was 148 Hispanics shot by police officers. And almost all of the victims of police shootings are really male. And according to yeah. 2017 and 2018, it says the statistics show the number of people shot to death. And they distinguish it by race. Mm -hmm. 940 two out of 996 fatalities were men. So that question, wow. uh, are this target practice? Is this hunting season? Like, what's really going on? Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, they try to make it look like these cops is getting killed every day, left and right. You know, like, like 38 cops been killed in Charlotte this year? No, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? And they have, and they do statistics on the most dangerous jobs in the United States, and police ain't even in the top 10. Okay? Wow. They not even in the top 10. Right. So, do some of them get killed out there in the line of duty? Yes, they do get killed, but let's not act like it's an epidemic or something. Because it's more police killing American citizens despite their skin color, background, national origin. Police average in this country over 1,100 killings a year. We ain't got, we ain't yeah. even got 500 police a year being killed. Yeah, and all we thinking is justice equality amongst all because everybody's seeking that's all they're seeking we got nothing against nobody we just asking them we don't want them hurting our people killing our people we don't want to we don't want our people hurting them and killing them but at the same time we don't want them hurting and killing them we want justice peace and equality amongst all of us all we asking for and you know i looked up I, I wanted to look up how long police brutality been around right and so I came across this article, and it was actually, it was just a pop-up. And just to give you guys some history and the audience some history on police brutality, this term has been around since 1872. Wow. It was first brought out in the American press. Reporter used that term. And apparently in the Chicago Tribune, they reported a beating of a, of a civilian under arrest at the Harrison Street Police Station. Mm -hmm. So police brutality actually started at their station in Chicago in 1872. Well, I read where, where, where? Chicago. It says here at Chicago. the Harrison Street Police Station, the Chicago Tribune, the newspaper reported that yeah. that's the first term of the use of police brutality. Right, the first yeah. use of that term. Okay, right, so Chicago. Chicago. Right. Yeah. Now, wow. also, I had came across an article over the past couple of days where it was talking about 
the origins of the police. Now, I had already knew from previous research that, you know, New York City and Boston in, um, had the oldest police forces and what have you. Yeah. Now, when we talk about pre-1865 slavery or chattel slavery, we're talking before the Civil War. And, you know, the way this article framed it is the slave patrols, you know, the slave patrols, the slave catchers and what those were your first police departments and who were they policing? But the victims of slavery and black people who had free status, but whose rights were being oppressed. So, you know, policing is as evil to me. I'm saying not as evil, but it is historically connected to slavery, and that's why I call them slave catchers. And I just came yeah, up with yeah. that name without even really making the connection that hell, they've always been slave yeah. catchers. Yeah, yeah. It's not that you necessarily criticize them as they would say, they would think you calling it as you see it. We call them as we see it. You know, it is what it is. Bottom line, you know? And, you know, a lot of them would be uh, uh, upset by the term, but exactly that they're not officers of the law because if they were officers of the law, they could carry themselves as officers of the law as it abides on the oath when they take the position of becoming a police officer. Right. You know? Yeah, if they was officers of the law, well, the law says your highest law of the land, which is the U.S. Constitutional, says the people have a right to protest, the people have a right to voice their grievances, and that their freedom of assembly shall not be impeded upon. So you're complaining. Why would you want to oppress that? Yeah, unless you're a fascist. Unless you're a fascist pig. So if the exactly. hey, hey if if the uh if the oink fits then wear it you know oink oink yeah, exactly yeah all right <laughs> now I just got a couple of uh um quick stories I'm gonna get through this is more like just to give people some updates and then we'll get ready to yeah. close it out and we'll hear from uh, uh a final thought from each and every one right. of our panelists and I want to thank everyone who has tuned in tonight to new abolitionist radio please share the podcast with others and help us spread uh the message of this program and, and again our mission is to end slavery because slavery was never abolished so I mentioned at the beginning exactly. Um, that, you know, the Palestinian prisoners, I had an update, um, Jericho, NYC, which is part of the National Jericho Movement, which was started by uh, uh, political prisoners um, to, you know, just focus on the issue of prisons and what have you, in addition to political prisoners. They forward this to me as I subscribe to their newsletter. And it says, uh, Palestinian prisoners, day 17, April 2019. It says that um, on Monday April the 15th, after eight days being on a hunger strike, Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jail in Israeli prisons ended their strike. This decision wow. comes after long negotiation sessions between the prisoners, reps, and the prison administration, which ended with an agreement between the two. The prisoners were able to achieve some of their main demands, such as canceling the punitive measures taken against them, removing cell jammers from their sections and rooms installing four public phones in each prison and improving some of their detention conditions. Despite this achievement, there are six Palestinian administrative detainees who have been on a hunger strike for several weeks protesting administrative detention and demanding their release. So it goes on and on. We don't have enough time to, yeah. to read the entire article. Y'all can check it out. Again, I posted it in our uh, for our planning in our program notes. Please check that out. But I just wanted to bring attention to their plight because abolition is a global movement. Slavery ain't just happening I'm here. It, yeah, it's not, it's I'm not dead. just happening here in the United States, but it's global. And, you know, these prisoners in the past have expressed solidarity with us. And so we want to do likewise and return the favor in kind. So like you said, exactly. Maxwell, solidarity on the issue of ending prison slavery. Yeah. Um, the next one, this is some good news. Um, this is dealing with political prisoner Mumia Abu-Jamal. This also was sent to me by Jericho NYC. 
Um, Philly DA to drop challenge in Mamia Abu Jamal case clearing appeals to reach the high court. This was published in Philly.com. It says uh, Philly DA Larry Krasner said Wednesday, so that was just today, that his office would drop his challenge of a judge ruling and convicted cop killer. Uh, Mumia Abu Jamal's case. So, man, I hate the way they word some of these things, man. I try not to read, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, clearing the way for Abu Jamal. Oh, man, these ads popping up. Let me close this ad. It's clearing the way for Abu Jamal to again argue his appeal before the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. The long-running appeals battle has gained renewed attention in recent years as Abu, Abu Jamal's lawyers contend he deserves another shot before the high court due to a recusal issue involving former Pennsylvania Chief Justice Ronald D. Castillo, who also sat in as a district judge on some of uh, Mumia's cases and therefore when they came before him when he got appointed to the Supreme Court he was supposed to recuse yeah. himself and he did not so Krasner yeah, exactly. Krasner DA said in a statement that his office decided to withdraw his challenge in response to opinion last month from the common pleas court judge Leon Tucker expanding on a ruling he made in December Tucker said Abu Jamal was entitled to re-argue his appeal because Castile who was Philadelphia's district attorney during the early portions of Abu Jamal's post-conviction efforts did not recuse himself when Abu Jamal's case yeah. came before the high court yeah. alright so that's good news you know in the long Long running exactly. battle to free um, political prisoner Mumia Abu Jamal. Uh, Max, you have anything little, on this? It, it goes it goes a little deeper than that because that judge and Mumia Abu Jamal's lawyer had a personal beef at the time. They were running for a certain office, mm -hmm. and that judge should have recused himself at the time. They're not accept, they're not explaining that. Them two had a personal beef. The lawyer and the judge were both running for that position and had some grievances. Mm. And he should have recused himself. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he didn't. And this is not just you know. This is several times he's done this uh, since he yeah. you know made the move from DA to judge. And so yeah, so yeah. that's good news for um, the committee to free Mumia Abu Jamal. And we hope he eventually gets but his freedom. Krasner has been one of the one of so far one of the most progressive DAs, uh, DAs in mm -hmm. the United States on, on the moves that he's making. Because I don't know if you're familiar with it, Pennsylvania just signed a law that after 10 years, with no prisoner, with no convictions or anything, can be removed off the road after 10 years. Mm. Right. So, as I say, it's been very progressive. But go ahead, Buster Scotty. Well, we come to the end of the broadcast. I want to give the panelists uh opportunity to share some final thoughts and remind us of any upcoming events that they got coming up. Um, uh, let's start with Tyson and Mother Khadijah, since I know they got that memorial that they need to, you know, attend to. So, yeah. uh, guys, please share your final thoughts with us tonight. Khadijah. Yeah. Just sure we can you can hear us though. Yeah, but we, we hear just you. wanted to um, just thank everyone for their prayers and stuff, but we just all have to just put away with this nonsense. The government gotta wake up at some point and realize that what they're doing is wrong and there's gotta be accountability for everybody's actions. And until that's then things are not gonna change. Slavery will still be legalized if we don't start doing something about it. And not just talking about it, we have to be active in our communities. Exactly. And don't be scared to address issues. You know, we, we all have to live here on this planet. So we all are accountable for what we do and what we say. So if we can just come together and stop this stupid killing that's going on, black-on-black -black crime, brown-on-brown crime, police officers unnecessarily using force. And it's just it, the kids are the ones that suffer in the end. So we have to be the ones to pick up these pieces. So abolitionists, I'm begging all community advocates, activists, come together. You know, really find true collaboration. Put your personal differences aside, and let's come together and make this thing correct. Amen to that. Exactly, exactly. Brother Faison, are you there, Brother Faison? Yeah, he's here. 
Final thoughts, man. Final thoughts is, man. It's been a appreciated about life, man. Enjoying, enjoying the little that we have and just celebrating life, man. Enjoying one another, man. Life's too short to worry about the small stuff, man. Just focus on getting things right in our community, being a better brother to our neighbor, and just, you know, just being, being about peace, promoting peace, and allowing us to motherfucking grow together. Excuse my language, but just allowing us to grow together. You know, it's, it's you know we losing loved ones, man. Left and right. You know, it never it never really really take take a toll on you. And two, it's somebody in your family. Two, to someone who's close to you. So people, you know, fix these laws. Help fix these laws. Help be a part of the solution instead of part of the problem, man. That's my final thought. Jazz underground. You know, brother Maxwell, Melvin, Scotty oh, yeah. Reed, myself. You know, putting street talk. You know, they, you know, you know, it's a major program going on here, man. People get with the program. Thanks, brother. Thanks, thanks. And again, condolences to the to the family, Maxwell. Well, definitely. I just like to say, send my condolences out to you, brother Tazan, and uh, sister Khadija. And I just, as I said, uh, you know, we have to continue in this struggle with the abolitionist movement and Black Talk Radio. What our aim goes and objectives are is to abolish the prison slavery in prison. We do not believe in the death penalty or anything or those things because it's not as a deterrent. It does not serve as a deterrent. And there have been many of our people who have been tortured in these prisons and uh, put under the death chamber. And these harms that are caused against our people sometimes are irreversible harms that could not be changed and when it's too late. So that is why we have to continue this movement that we are. And as I said, this is Maxwell Melvin. And, uh, you know, I, I just like for some of y'all to go to YouTube, listen to some of the Lifers Group music. You will hear stories in this movement of mass incarcerations we've been talking for in about for the last 30 years. Again, I will be at the Queens Library on May the 30th if anyone is interested. I will be at the Queens Library in New York, in Queens, New York, on May the 30th. And I'd like to thank uh, Black Abolition Radio, I mean, Black Talk Radio and Abolitionists and Brother Scotty T. Reed and affording us this platform, this opportunity. And uh just like to say thank you, Brother Scotty. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. You know, this is truly a collaborative effort. Um, I, I'll just, yeah, I'll just yeah. say this. You know, we talked about several different issues uh, tonight, all interconnected and, and related to a problem. And what's the main problem? The problem is slavery. They never stop practicing slavery. You know, in slavery, when you think about it, you if you want to enslave someone, you got to dehumanize them. You got to make them be seen as less than human, as le- as not deserving of being respected and what have you. And so yeah. ma- many of these issues is, is rooted in that disrespect. Not saying it don't yeah. happen to other groups because the statistics speak for themselves. You know, it's main it's mainly black folks though followed by Hispanic yeah. folks and other non-white yeah. folks and then, you know, the exactly. occasional white folks. We don't think anybody yeah. should be enslaved yeah. in this country. And we want to end slavery. And it starts with the law. You know, how are you yeah. going to fix something and still have a law that's allowing for it? So we need to repeal that 13th Amendment and replace it with an amendment that actually ends slavery. And then, you yeah. know, if people understand that, they'll understand the symptoms that we are addressing is rooted in the disease of slavery. So let's end slavery, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Brother Scotty, it's not in the terms of always law. There are people amongst our people who try to enslave our own sometimes. That's Whether true. Different interpretation or not, we have our own people out here in the streets, in households or whatever, they're trying to enslave each other. So it's not always the system. It's us as people always trying to enslave others sometimes as well. So we want to we abolish that all spirit. Forms, all forms and fashions. All forms. All forms. Amen. All right. With that said, we'll be back next week. Uh, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. Thank you all for participating and listening. Peace and blessings. 
Good night. Land of the free, it lies the home of the homeless. Too many die every day, and we really just want this freedom.